youngest of three boys. I've been attending FCBC for my entire life. I've had a very surreal month this month, where I've had to remember God's love and mercy for me. As a 16-year-old, I've been going through the process of getting my driver's license. It has been, as you can probably imagine, it's been extremely stressful for me. On top of that, with my schoolwork and everything else, it's been a nightmare. But <laughs> after finishing driver's ed, I had to go to the DMV to pass the three tests, the vision test, knowledge test, and the skills test, in order to partake in the privilege of driving. This brought to mind what I'll be talking about today. If I had failed one of my DMV tests, I would not have gotten my license, and I would have had missed the mark. But God, through his love and mercy, gave me the knowledge and skills I need to get past the tests and get my license. This morning, we are going to read how God, through his love and mercy, gives us all that we need to be set apart in this world. God's love and mercy calls us to be set apart in a corrupted world. Peter begins this section by reminding Christians of the gospel. Through God's divine power, he doesn't just save us from our sins, but he calls us to live a new life in him. If you look at verse 3 with me, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by, sorry, who called us to his own glory and excellence. Yeah. MacArthur's commentary says knowledge is a key word, a genuine personal sharing of life with Christ based on repentance and sin and a personal faith in him. Through the gospel, we get to share life with Christ. The gospel saves us from our sins and it allows us to live a life pleasing to God. Here, we see that the gospel is sufficient for all life. God supplies us with all that we need to live according to his will in this life. Notice that Peter says it's God's divine power that supplies all things to us. It's not within our own power to live a godly life, but it's fully by his divine power. And God, with his grace, decides to use us to proclaim his message to the world and allows us to have an intimate relationship with him. His glory and excellence calls us into this relationship with him, and he wants us to emulate the same glory and excellence God has shown us to others around us. This may seem very daunting, as we did not earn this new life. It was a gift from God, so how can we reenact this life? Peter said in the beginning that the gospel is sufficient and it's only God's divine power that we can live this life we have been called to by him. God has granted to us the power and responsibility to live out this new life through... Yeah. <laughs> we now get to use his, the divine power he has given to us to live lives that are, so, that are set apart from the world of corruption and sinful desires. He has granted to... Sorry. He has granted the great promises of eternal life with him and the Holy Spirit to guide our souls through this corrupted and sin-rooted world. He wants us to live as citizens in his kingdom and show the world what it looks like to have new life in Christ. He also reminds us, us of the Lord's second coming. Peter says that through these promises, we become partakers of his divine power. Through, through the Holy Spirit, yeah, Sorry, we, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> through his Holy Spirit, we can help guide people through the world and to Christ. Christ promises us his Holy Spirit, and we share in Christ's divine power so that our desires are more in line with God's. 
We are given new life through Christ, and this separates us from the world that we live in. So what does it look like to live as a Christ follower in the midst of a world full of corruption and sin? To show us what it looks like, Peter lists seven qualities of a Christ follower. Let's reread verses 5 through 7 for this very reason. Or, sorry. <laughs> for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. These are added to your faith in order to keep you fruitful and effective. One commentator states that the chains of virtue begin with faith. Every follower of Christ needs faith in order to add these virtues. These qualities, oh, sorry, <laughs> just relist it. But these qualities are virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. The more Christ-like a believer becomes, the more they will reflect these virtues. Notice that love is listed last. This shows us the importance of love. I know for myself that love doesn't come easy. I know there are times when I will argue with my siblings, and I just don't really want to love them right now. But, however, God commands me to love them and has given me his divine power so that I am able to love them when I feel like I can't. <laughs> the love of Christ is something that I have, but I need to work on. <coughs> love is the most important of these virtues. Without love, you cannot have the other virtues. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Peter ends with brotherly love, uh, brotherly affection and love to show the difference between the world and the Christian believers. Our love for one another should be evident to all those around us. Our love for one another should look so different to the rest of the world that they want to know how we have that kind of love for one another. Let me ask you, faith family, does your life show the love of Christ to this broken world? If you were to ask your spouse, children, friends, your coworkers, the person behind you at the store, or the person who cut you off in traffic, would, would they say that love of Christ is evident in you? Christ's divine power in us should be evident in how we love one another and the world. Let's reread verses eight and nine. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Verses 8 and 9 show us that these virtues abounding in a Christian's life will prevent you from being unfruitful and ineffective in a Christian's life. I'm sorry, uh, in their witness. When these virtues are not present in a believer, they become ineffective witness because they look no different from the world. They, also, they have also forgotten that they were saved by grace and no longer bound by sin. Peter then ends this section saying that these virtues abounding in a Christian's life will prevent them from being unfruitful and ineffective in their witness. Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So how do we live for Jesus and ensure our entrance into the kingdom of heaven? As we see in verses 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. As MacArthur puts it, you will not stumble into doubt, 
despair, fear, or questioning, but enjoy an assurance that you are saved. Verse 11 says, for in this way, there will be richly provided you for, for you an entrance into the kingdom of heaven, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The words that Peter speaks shows us that um, as, Christian as a Christian pursues these virtues, they will have assurance in the present with hope for their future, rewarding kingdom of heaven. These qualities are the chain of virtues that begin with faith. Faith is the first step. Faith in Jesus Christ and what he does done for you, living a sinless life, dying on a cross for you, your sins, and my sins, having rising again on the third day and conquering death. Without the first step of faith, you will be unable to cultivate these qualities. Once you take that first step of faith, God can begin to develop these qualities in you so that you have an effective witness for his kingdom. This, the gospel is sufficient to, uh, for us from our sins to allow us to live according to, his God, to God's will and to bring us home one day to him. I am reminded of what Paul said in Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he is who begin, began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. How about you? Have you taken the first step of faith, acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior? If not, I would love to talk to you, and I'm sure the person that brought you here today would, well, would as well. If you are a Christian, then I ask you to consider the list of seven qualities of a Christ follower that Peter listed in verses five and six. Look at your own life. Are you lacking these qualities, any of these? Ask God to reveal to you if you are. Repent and ask for his divine power to be evident in your life. I want to challenge you to live in such a way that Christ is magnified through you in the midst of this broken world. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and mercy. I thank you for sending your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from this broken world. I pray as we pursue these seven virtues that you allow us to be a better witness for you. In Christ's name, amen.